Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlows, and I'm Karen. I'm Kelly. Welcome. Um, today I'm choosing the topic, which I think is a little new. Um, I would like to talk about a good friend of mine named Nock. Um, I had met him back when I was in um, first year university. So back in 2006, I was in the city of Ottawa, Ontario. Um, I was invited to play for uh, or sub in for a volleyball team a couple nights a week. And uh, he was one of the lovely gentlemen on the team that year. You're struggling with your microphone, eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's early. Um, he was one of the, the gentlemen that I met when I was brand new to the city and um, had a lot of fun playing with him. And I ended up getting invited back onto the team as a regular uh, in my second year of university. And so he was someone that I, I got to see on a, on a regular basis. And um, when I moved home in third year, I received a phone call from our captain from that, that team and she had told me that Nock had passed away and uh, that she didn't know the details, but that he had committed suicide. Um, so that was something that I have grieved, or may maybe I'm still grieving in, in some kind of way. Uh, but what was probably most beautiful in this entire situation is uh, you started channeling him for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that you ever met Nock in person. Mm-mm. Um, and I know that he has come to be a, a very big part of your life as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think today I'm interested in kind of sharing back and forth um, what he did for me as a human uh, and what he's done for both of us as, as a soul and as a guide. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Then do you want me to start? Or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, think, I think the first thing that I want to touch on, uh, which is a very rare thing for me in my life and may maybe for others as well, uh, Nock was a gentleman. He, he was a real man, I think, in, in the way that I would define a real man. Um, very compassionate, very uh, patient, very kind, very giving, um, but always knew how to stand his ground. He had very good boundaries as far as I could see. Um, and he was just so sweet, so kind. And he, he, uh, if he could make someone laugh, that was, that was what he loved to do. Um, and when I was, I, I guess, walking to and from each game, cause I, I didn't have transportation back then. Um, he always stopped, uh, at night and offered me a ride. And sometimes he'd tell me to get in the car cause it was just too dark or too late. Uh, and he was always just really, um, conscious of everyone around him and making sure that everyone else was safe, not to the point of people pleasing or being annoying. Cause I know some people can kind of nag. Um, but he was just, just very mindful and very sweet. Um, and I had no idea that, uh, that he was battling with, um, these, these thoughts, I guess, of not wanting to be around. Um, so Fast forward when uh, when I found out that he passed, uh, I, that was very confusing for me, and I know that I had asked you to channel him in some of the sessions, and uh, you had described his personality, you had described his body, which I remember laughing at several times, um, because he had uh, he was ripped, he was a ripped man, <laughs> it was ridiculous, and you said he used to dance in front of you, yes, which. Ironically, I know enough about Nock, and, and this is interesting because I, I can't affirm a lot of things for you because I didn't know him very, very well outside of volleyball, but um, he was such an awkward dancer, 
and he loved to dance in front of people and at weddings. And I've heard stories from from mutual friends of, of how he danced. And you showed me uh, in one of the sessions what he was doing standing in front of you mm-hmm. with his shirt off, which is what mm-hmm. he would have done um, at funny occasions with, with good friends. Um, anyway, just... Wait, Kelly, people are listening to that and hearing <laughs> that I have spirits come stand in front of me, whip their shirt off, mm-hmm. are totally ripped, and dance for me. I want all the women out there <laughs> uh, to just, for just a moment, think that there is an upside to some of these some of these gifts Uh hey we need crumbs there's a lot that we deal with oh and he wasn't crumbs no um yeah so he he had come through and he had actually even um showed you one day which i thought was really neat and very unique um he used to goof off on the court a lot um just just in situations when we were kind of in in the lead and could afford to um he used to do this windmill move where he well picture a windmill he used to do with his arms and it was a very awkward way of hitting and it was never accurate but it was just it was funny and fantastic and it was just it was just knock you know um and you ended up showing me and you I remember you feeling very uncomfortable because you're like I I've watched you play volleyball for years and this isn't a normal thing and I was able to affirm for you that that was his kind of signature goof mood or goof move um and I just that that affirmation uh, for me was um one of those like corny, heartwarming things mm. uh, that even though you never knew him as a human, you could even demonstrate with your own body how he used to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the things that made everyone around him really light up. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. And I mean, you've done, you've said several things in the sessions over the years about his personality and, and uh, what he was feeling and thinking before he left. And that, that was also very comforting. Um, but I think what I want to focus on for the sake of the podcast is, uh, how he became a reference system for you because mm-hmm. you, he's since become one of your guides, yep. mine as well. But, um, I've listened to you in the way that he's taught you uh, and the way that he's helped a lot of your sessions. And I, I want to share him because he's, he's a person and a human I would have wanted to share. And, uh, I want to share him as a soul with oh, everyone as well. I love that. He, he um he, uh, he would come and explain things to me about suicide and he has become my suicide guide um so that anytime somebody is around me whether i'm at the ymca whether i'm in a having coffee in a restaurant it doesn't matter where i am if knock comes walking in and i see him i know that somebody in there has had someone who suicided. Okay. And that he will go stand beside that person so I'll know it's their loved one. Mm-hmm. And um, I then, knowing that, choose to send love to that person wherever they are, whatever they're doing. If they're on the treadmill, if they're serving in a restaurant, if they're the cook, if they're having lunch with somebody, whatever it is that they're doing, it's my choice. It's and I do that very consciously, um, and I take the time in part of my day to to feel what they're feeling, to connect, to choose to connect, and that's all because of knock. That's all because of the compassion that he feels for humans, and a continuation of that energy that I choose to feel, and run a circuit between knock and I. 
and that person and their loved one. Mm -hmm. So if people are into geometric shapes, maybe you can see a very weird movement of energy with four, four shapes, connect the dot. Mm -hmm. And I'll call it like a constellation in the sky at night. Mm -hmm. And that the four of us make this beautiful constellation. And that's, that's something that knock taught me about energy healing. It taught me about connectivity. It taught me about love, uh, running energy as an energy healer. And that's why I call him a guide because he would show the four of us and the connect, the, um, connections and color. Like he just did so many things. So I'm just, I'm just sharing mm -hmm. one thing, but if anybody that loves that idea that when you look up at the sky at night and you see the stars and you know how we see them connected with lines, mm -hmm. astrologers put lines towards them and that they're all weird and different shapes. That if you, if, if somebody thinks of that as somebody's experienced suicide or any kind of a death, I'm just, Nock was just the person that came through for, for, for me and you to teach us. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it was there, the moments he gives us are teachable moments mm -hmm. and that there's a choice when you have a teachable moment, whether you take it or you don't. And that defines who you are ultimately. And I adore Nock that um, he arrived around the time that I was just going through the beginning of a uh, separation and divorce, mm -hmm. actually. And he came through to help me connect so that I could connect to people who'd crossed over. But then he also showed me how to do it with the human beings. And... Um, how, how beautiful that is. And he also, we could talk for hours about him because he also taught me fun. He, 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 he danced with me. He taught me how the spirits dance with my spirit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can stop me because I don't want this to all be about what he's just taught me. Well, we can I, go back and forth if you'd like. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in. Okay. Um, cause one of the first things I remember asking you probably not in, in these exact words, but I wanted to know why he had passed, mm -hmm. but not, and I want to, I want to be really clear about this, not for him to defend himself. I didn't need a reason so that I could be okay with it. I just wanted to know where he was at. I just wanted to understand. I didn't, it didn't have to make him right or wrong, um, in, in my eyes or my mind. I just wanted to know. That's all. That's really cool, Kelly, because if, if somebody is closer to him, they might wonder if it was their fault. Mm -hmm. And it just goes, you're just putting a different light on a, a situation that other people might not think about. Mm -hmm. That, gee, you, you didn't take it personally. You just wanted to know. And that's all. There was no yeah. attachment to the knowing, the knowing that was just, I'll say, it's always for, for our own purpose, but that you weren't looking to think, well, was it my fault? Did I do something? Did I not do something? Yeah. I think sometimes when people hear of a suicide, they think, oh, I wonder if their girlfriend broke up with them. I wonder if they lost their job. I wonder if they were diagnosed with cancer. They want to find something mm -hmm. that makes sense. And you're, you're going in a whole bunch of different directions that I, I want to touch on, like all of them. Okay. Um, but one of the first, I want to just backtrack because when I asked why or, or what he was going through, I remember you describing it in the sense that he felt claustrophobic in his own body mm -hmm. um, and that 
the human body didn't move as fast as his brain moved. And so there was a lot of um, what felt like disconnect, even though it wasn't disconnect. So if you think about the brain and how fast the neurons fire and wire and how they're sending messages and, and all these signals, the body couldn't keep up as far as he was concerned. And I remember you saying that he wanted to be much more expansive and that he, he liked the idea of traveling at the speed of light. Kelly, what did he do for a living? I can't recall. I believe he was a mechanic. Okay. I was going to ask you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I thought he said that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's really funny because I remember his cars, not in like a vain way, but he was just, he, mm-hmm. he you know, he took very, um, very good care of his things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've always. Um, he took care of his body? He took care of, yeah. He like, took very good care of everything. Okay. And I want to point his that brother, out. Okay. His family. Can we pause and oh. just really <laughs> notice that this is a man who took care of his body, who took care of everything, who valued things? Mm-hmm. He did. He took good care of everything. And even still, I remember you saying that he wanted to be expansive, that the body was too small, too tight, uh, that he couldn't move in the way that he wanted to move, um, and that he, the body couldn't keep up to the thoughts, um, which I... I say I can only imagine would be entirely frustrating, but I know that I've experienced it, especially um, doing the medical intuitive and the psychic for a lot of different um, like brain disorders. Um, So I think to a degree I can understand it, Um, but it was really neat to hear it for the first time from from someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean through someone else, about someone else, if you want to say it that way. Um, yeah, I just, I really liked the way that he said that. Cause I think a lot of us feel stuck in our bodies, mm-hmm. especially if they don't cooperate, you know, and, and we, we can talk about the fact that he took care of his body and it looked beautiful. Um, and some people, some people work hard every day to take care of their bodies and it never gets to the point that they would like it to be at. Right. Um, anyway, I just, I, I wanted to know why and to know that he felt stuck as, as a human form, helped me understand how happy he was when he passed. It mm-hmm. wasn't even a question then of, is he okay now? Because mm-hmm. most people come in and they just want to know if their loved one is okay. And I get that. I appreciate that that concern. Um, but it wasn't even a question. He, he got what he needed. He got what he wanted. And I liked what you said, pointing out the fact that a lot of people make assumptions when we hear about suicides, as in, did their girlfriend break up with them or did something tragic happen? And I remember seeing his girlfriend watching him in the gym. She'd come to some of the volleyball games when she could, and they looked comfortably happy with each other. And I, and I don't mean that in terms of like a settling or anything. I just mean that there was a comfort and an ease to the way that they moved together. Um, and you know, I've been telling you my whole life, I see people as together or separate, whether they're couples or friends or not. Um, I see the energies swirl in and out um, to see if they're actually a good match. And there was so much care between the two of them and so much kindness um, that that wasn't the issue. There was no breakup. She she believed that they were very happy and that things were, things were going well. Um, and I know there's always behind the scenes that you don't know about, but they had a good life. They were building together and uh, things didn't fall apart for him to want to take his life. Mm-hmm. It was just an overwhelming feeling of not fitting. Mm-hmm. I, this was really um, an interesting soul for me in that he had so much in life that was good mm-hmm. and that made him happy. Mm-hmm. 
and the the people that were that were in his life, the things that he was doing, the choices that he was making, the career that he had picked, his friends, his sports, bodybuilding, all of these different things that he enjoyed. Um, but that, as you say, it came down to the fact that what was in his brain and how he was trying to make connections and how he saw things didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And that he did work hard. That he did work hard at even trying to figure that out. This is a soul that was giving things a full out effort. And still made a conscious choice that he could live his life every day. um, And to be present in those choices. Mm -hmm. Including the very choice of choosing to leave. Mm -hmm. And how to leave. And how to leave things on earth for the people around him here. um, So that they understood that it was for him Mm -hmm. that this is a this was a choice that he made for himself consciously um not not at the last minute not um out of desperation um some people might say well that's depression he could have got help he could have talked it out Mm -hmm. um he he was thoughtful in his process Mm -hmm. Uh, and i it this is a nice segue because I wanted to go back to uh, when you talked about his friends and you also talked about um, people wondering if they could have done more or if they were the reason that he ended his life. And one of my very good friends who was also on the team with us, um, we've stayed very good friends and he has always said, I wish I called him more. I wish I said yes to more more of the things he asked me to do. And I think those are all natural regrets that we can have. Um, but he kept, he kept sort of putting blame on himself that he wasn't a good enough friend and that had he just been there to listen more or to say yes to more hockey games or more volleyball games, that knock could have been okay. And I'm putting quotation marks around that because that was our friend's definition of okay, not knock's definition. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's subjective at that point because Mm -hmm. this is what knock wanted. And it's neat because when we're talking about being that discomfort or uncomfortable in his own body, um, there's a lot of different situations where people are uncomfortable in their body and that can be not identifying with the gender that they were born with, right? That can be um, not happy, you know, with the frame that you were given uh, or the structure that you were given. And there's so many ways that you cannot identify with your own body and yet his was none of those things. It was simply that it was too small and too slow and so that was his answer and I just there's for me there's no room for judgment in there aside from and maybe people will call this a judgment saying I love you and good for you Mm -hmm. I guess it like it what I watched in you was was your decision to be respectful of his decision Mm -hmm. yeah and I I remember thank you sorry thank you for saying that um, I remember when I did my, my year back here, I was at Nipissing University, and one of my professors, it's kind of an odd story, but I'll skim over it, he was grieving one day in class, and I walked up to him, and I was like, yo, are you okay? And that's probably not normal for a student to walk up to a professor and be like, do you need to talk? Uh, but he just, he was so um, distant, we were in a lab, he was staring out the window, and like couldn't refocus when he had to start teaching again, in between like examples and stuff. And um, I walked into his office and just said, like, what's going on? Like, you're not okay. 
And he just said that it was the anniversary of when his cousin had killed himself. And he, uh, the professor, was in so much anger and I'll say rage, but also sadness, right? Because that's what underlies all of it uh, about what his cousin had done. But there was so much judgment. And when he was talking to me about the situation, which I felt fortunate that he was open enough to share um, his experience, he talked about what a selfish thing his cousin had done and that he had ruined the family and that he had um, not considered his mother uh, and all of the horrible things that we humans have to deal with when that soul leaves. And I had been at peace with Nock. I had been at peace with his decision. I think I understand suicide perhaps on a different level than most people because of what we do. Um, But I remember the judgments that I was hearing from him just cutting me, just cutting me like a knife. Um, And it creates confusion because I hear the side of the soul talking. And, you know, I've channeled different suicides that aren't close friends and it's all consistent it's all consistent with the amount of love that they wanted to have for their own soul it's all consistent with the amount of love that they have for the people they left whether it was a quick decision or it wasn't um the judgment was awful Mm -hmm. and I remember just thinking I don't know how to help you and not that it was my job to but um I don't know it set me back I think in my grieving that someone could judge a soul so harshly that they could not understand the pain of what they had to go through to take their own life. Um, maybe because our job is to love the soul. Um, to see someone so angry with it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Nock was just that really wonderful, peaceful person and being for me. Mm-hmm. He has come through in so many sessions for me um, since then uh, where he... and. I mean, it's not always for suicide, but like I said earlier, if there is a suicide, then I know. Mm-hmm. And he's, that's been extremely helpful because sometimes, remember one person who had passed away and the police were called to the scene and an ambulance and um, the, a person in their family, uh, uh, I think it was a spouse or an ex-spouse, and um, it was determined that there was an overdose and I'll say by humans. So I don't know, I I won't get into it too much, but humans decided, professionals, um, that this was a scene of of suicide. This is an excellent story. Yeah. Can you want me to go ahead and can I ask a question? Is this the bedside? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell this whole story? Sure. Um, a person came to see me and I'll change all of the information so that people feel safe. Like I'll say names. males or names and male, Just change female. the names. Okay. So um, George came to see me and his wife, Mary. Um, yeah, everybody knows Mary um, <laughs> uh, that I use that all the time. Um, Mary had passed away. And um, when he was called to her home, um, uh, she was found dead by police and... Um, there was a journal in the room, which I saw uh, Remote viewing, rem- remotely. So. so when he came to see me, he didn't tell me anything. He just came in just as, you know, just walked into the treatment room, sat down. And I said, oh, I said, I have your um, ex-wife, she's saying. And he said, that's correct. And I said, she's saying that everybody's saying that this was a suicide. And she's really angry mm. because this was not a suicide. This was an accident. And she wants to explain it. And he said, oh, continue. 
And I, I described what she looked like. I described their cottage, the boat, the jewelry he had given her, um, some of her friends, the beha- their behaviors, the things that they did for fun, stuff like that. Um, and the what she was wearing when they found her in her home, in her bedroom, when she had passed. And what color skin she had. Right. And uh, because of the drug overdose, they, she, there was a color to her skin mm-hmm. and a waxy compl- um look to the skin as well and face up face down um and that she had what she the blue nightgown baby blue nightgown she had on um that there was um a phone on the bed as well as um her journal and a pen and what she had written in the book so he just said to me are you kidding me you can see all of that and I said yeah he goes well then what the hell was in the book and he said could you explain what she wrote And I, so I read to him and I said, what was in the book that she had written and what had happened was she had been suffering from depression. She was, uh, or suffering with it, I'll say. She had written in the journal that night. She had had some wine, I think, to drink. And there was wine in, in the, in the bedroom in a glass. And she had taken something to help her sleep, a sleeping pill with wine. She had fallen asleep fairly early in the evening so it was summertime and there was still sunshine she was writing in the book she wrote in her journal then she would doze off she woke up but she didn't remember dozing off so she just continued to write a little bit more it got a little bit more blurry that what she was writing uh, got a little bit more de- like dark I'll say just in how she was what she was writing about her emotions she took um, another sleeping pill, thinking she hadn't taken one at all. Mm-hmm. So she got up and she had a little sip of her wine. She wasn't drunk. She had a sip of wine. She took a pill. Um, then she fell back to sleep. She woke up about another 20 minutes, I think it was later, still seeing sunshine, still thinking because she saw sunshine, she hadn't been sleeping very long or at all. So she took another pill but when she went to take that pill she poured them into her hand and there were several in her hand but at this point she's already taken a couple of them her vision is blurry and she thought she was popping one into her mouth and she put a whole bunch in her mouth swallowed them with a little sip of the wine again I think this is really interesting um and I just want to interrupt because I think some people will be rolling their eyes thinking how does that ever happen if you're that groggy don't you know um I'm allergic to cough syrup and I didn't know at at that point and I remember being in literally a fog for two full days yes do do not remember what happened during Mm -hmm. those days and yet the people I was living with can recap that I was downstairs eating breakfast with them Mm -hmm. um that I was talking with them mm-hmm. uh, like there was so much and I have no recollection of any of it and that's just cough syrup yeah so, and these are prescription um sleeping pills sleeping pills and so <clears throat> what happened was she took an overdose of the sleeping pills with a combination of writing in the journal the wine on the counter which she had not become drunk drinking mm-hmm. which was true in the autopsy that it was not alcohol that it was a drug overdose mm-hmm. and because it was written drug overdose it was seen as suicide mm-hmm. and it was deemed as such by the medical coroner and 
that goes down for insurance purposes. I was just going to say. That goes yeah. down for um, what happens then when in her will. It mm-hmm. goes down in, like, I'll say legally. Yeah. But it also goes, and which is a huge component we could talk about right there. Mm-hmm. But she was coming through to say, that's not fair. That's not right. Mm-hmm. I did not suicide. This mm-hmm. was accidental, which would also change the insurance. Yeah. And he just sat there. He was tape recording this and he was just crying. He said, I can't thank you enough. You have given so much evidence um, of what she was wearing, what she wrote in uh-huh. the journal, um, what the, the state of the house was, what like er, like how what the house looked like, um, where her body was found, all of those things that he was able to go um, away with that. And And I don't know to this day, unless I channel it, Did he go and have the insurance policy changed? Did he call the coroner? Did he, there are things that he maybe did or didn't do, but I clearly remember knock was not present. Mm -hmm. It comes back to knock. He wasn't standing there. So when her ex-husband is saying to me, are you sure? I looked in the room for knock and knock is like, not in the room. And I'm like, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. so he's that the, we're going I want to go back to that to knock because yeah. he has created such a strength for me in validations of what the spirit world is bringing through that I know without a shadow of a doubt and I'm going I'm go, can I give you another really quick one mm-hmm. murder um a young man um passed away and they deemed it murder and it was called murder um, and it was not. It was suicide. And Knox stood in the room, and I knew it was suicide. Mm-hmm. So there are times when the family is told certain things because witnesses are even standing there saying, I watched him. Uh, I watched her murder him. I watched this. I. Th- there are times when there are human beings that are collaborating a lie. And the spirit world comes through to say, no. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, and they give evidence to that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of um, different different examples of when Nock has been present too. Um, I remember you channeling a young boy who had not suicided, but he died young. And Nock stood next to him and said, it wasn't a suicide, but he has a brain like me. Yeah. And I have him. Yeah. And when he crossed, I'm trying to help children who suicide, but also who don't, who just... I can relate to them because their brain worked like mine did. Yes. And I thought that was really neat too. And some people might think, well, that's fucking confusing for our reference system. But I just, it's wonderful because when well, I feel the amount of love that Nock has for these beings, humans and, and the soul, to turn to a parent and say, Nock's got your kid is incredible. Mm-hmm. I know that he's safe. I'm answering. I can answer all their questions about safety and feeling loved and not being scared. Um, and, and that's what that's what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And that they're with somebody like minded mm-hmm. that gets them because sometimes the parents know that nobody on earth really got them. Yeah. And I think about, you know, when you drop your kid off to kindergarten for the first day and you want to walk into the room with them to make sure that they're OK to make sure that they're settling in all right and that if they need anything that you're there for them. Um, you can't do that if your child, your child has passed. And so to hear that someone knows them and gets them and, and has them with them, um, you can let go of being the parent and just send love. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be there to make sure that everything's okay for them. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. he, and I, I would like to speak to something that you said about um, clarity. Um, knock comes through so that I know there is a suicide 100%, mm-hmm. so that I'm not questioning whether it was murder or suicide or an accident or suicide, which is extremely important in grieving, mm-hmm. but can also be very important in just knowing the truth mm-hmm. um, as well, like right into blame, all kinds of different things. But that knock speaks to us. He can say like what you just said, this wasn't a suicide, but I'm standing here because our brains are similar. I think it changes the way that we grieve. And, and if people are looking for the message in, in all of this, um, it changes the way that we grieve. So when you're saying that something was called a murder, but we can be told, no, it wasn't, it was a suicide, you don't carry around the rage and the anger for another human being for the rest of your life. You 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 still carry the grief of missing someone that you love, but it, it, it doesn't consume you the way a murder would. Um, and when you know that your person on the other side is safe and taken care of, um, you grieve perhaps with a less heavy heart. Yeah. I, I, I love that he comes through. Um, um, I'll say with like-minded people too. Like you say, like he's a reference for suicide, um, but he's also there to show when other people have the same type of mind. Mm-hmm. And that there's so many people on earth that have minds that race. And there's different kinds of racing. There's the racing of worry and anxiety, mm-hmm. which is just, a, is just a, um, a different issue. than the racing that Nock had where it was that his mind worked that quickly. Mm-hmm. That some people might, might get that because their mind works that quickly because they can do math questions without actually processing Mm-hmm. And doing all the steps, or somebody might pick up an instrument and be able to play it without having to take every single lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, but that their mind is all—I'll say—is always going, whether it's creatively or I don't like—I just mean not in the sense of just always being a worrier. Mm-hmm. So that people can understand there are different ways that a mind is busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, I remember not talking about the fact that the way that his mind was fast too was that he he couldn't stand that people didn't get things yeah he he couldn't understand that two people could hurt each other and not get it mm-hmm. not understand the hurt and somebody might say well whoa he committed suicide you how could you say he got that he hurt all kinds of people when someone gets stuck in that they're getting stuck in the fact that they can't move past their own grief into understanding that he made that decision for his own life mm-hmm. and that we have to, we have to come to terms with being able to accept that because everybody every day is making decisions based on what they want for their own life. Mm-hmm. Somebody might make a decision to move to a different city or to go through a divorce or to hit somebody or to kill somebody. These are all decisions. And, and as we're talking about it, Kelly, I'm remembering Andrew Morrison's show on acceptance that mm-hmm. we did and how I said to Andrew at the end of the show, I love the show because I could think of so many things to talk about where acceptance is difficult. Um, but I had chosen to liken it to weight loss or something mm-hmm. being overweight, but, and I just picked that one. Um, but it goes to this too, that we have to accept decisions people make. Yeah. 
and we might say, no, I don't, I'll never accept, I'll never accept his death, then that means you'll never heal. Mm -hmm. That means that there will always be a part of you that's not ever totally present in the current relationships that you're in, standing Mm -hmm. in your own life each day. And that doesn't mean that you don't still grieve it, still feel sad, still feel the emotions, but accepting it does different things in the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, knock. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, just an amazing soul, an amazing life. Yeah, and I remember this, this is probably like not even relevant, but I know that when we've gone back to Ottawa and I've visited the the mutual friend, um, that you've been out with the two of us and oh, you've yeah. given him messages as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. From knock and that's, um, you kicked his butt, I think, about, working too hard and too many hours yeah um you had also given him really good um really good business advice because he was building um some video games and he was kind of hitting a wall oh and knock was telling him what he needed to do to uh i think to get through meetings with investors but also Mm -hmm. creatively what what needed to get done and what was missing uh and that was that was really neat because i mean perhaps in this in this life the two wouldn't have connected on that level um, just because their professions were so different. Who knows if not could have offered that uh, to him as a human. But uh, And personally, I would not give business advice. No, no, I know. But I'm not saying you yeah. gave advice. You channeled the messages from Knock giving the advice. Right. Uh, and that worked out very well for our good friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fun because you still, I miss him. And I, you know, I might not have had the same relationship with him had he chosen to continue being a human. Um, but I certainly get to enjoy, enjoy the relationship with him now mm-hmm. uh, in, in whatever capacity that is. I like the fact that he still has purpose here for me on yeah. earth to be able to help so many families. So mm-hmm. yes, he's passed away. And maybe if anybody ever was listening to this that knows knock, they might think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Is that ever nice that he still has purpose here yeah. and that, through through connecting with you and then connecting with me um that because of the affirmations and they were so accurate that there was so much trust built mm-hmm. that now knock is a constant in my life and mm-hmm. i can't imagine it without him yet i've never met him i've never seen a picture of him i but i can oh, I, no i've showed you pictures after oh, you asked me kay. about the physical stuff just so that i could affirm it for you oh okay um yeah and actually just on this side uh, just to show kindness here um i was having a really bad day about a year ago and you came home with flowers and it, that's not uncommon for you to do for me or, or i to do for you um but you actually had in the note um i love you love knock and he told me to buy you flowers yeah, and I, I went out and bought them for you that was just so wonderful because i mean flowers from you are wonderful anytime um but the fact that you listen uh, to the other side that that much that well um and honor them is i think pretty incredible and i think what you do uh allows him to complete his purpose mm-hmm. because he could have given you the message and you could have been like, yeah, that's a lot of money or whatever. Um, you could have had any thought or inaction that you wanted to. And, and he still gets to love me because of what you've chosen to do. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I try very hard to honor everything they're saying. And, and 
um, knock helps me get, do that. Kelly, the sign. I know. I leave it's it right on my, behind I you. Leave it on my board. I just saw it. Kel, I love you. Knock mm-hmm. on your. Bo- oh, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a daily mm-hmm. reminder for me. And mm-hmm. I, you're going to laugh because it's in an orange post-it and I hate orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no place for it in my purple office, um, but <laughs> it's from knock. So it, mm-hmm. it belongs here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As does he. Yeah, and I think it's really neat because one of the things above it is a is a little note that says to my monk, and in French it means um, I miss you, mm-hmm. but when you translate it back uh, into English directly, it means you are missing from me. Oh, Which I, I love j- that. Yeah, I just thought that was We have to do brilliant. a whole show about language. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. Okay, love let's to. do that. Cool. And Okay. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just going to say thank you for, uh, for helping me share knock with, I'll say the world. I know the podcasts aren't worldwide at this (laughs) point, but, um, you do, you share him with, with the world, with each client that comes into your practice and has been touched by suicide. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and perhaps my hope from this is just that if you're approaching us because of a suicide or a potential, um, that you can understand how much love and respect we have for those situations and for the people. Can we continue for just a second? Knock mm-hmm. has helped me as well with people who potentially were thinking of suicide. Yeah. And I, I want to tell a story about that. Uh, can, is it okay? Your show. Oh, good. And I had a little bit more time. Um, uh, a woman called me um, a couple of days before Christmas, about five years ago. Heavy, heavy snowfall. Beautiful, beautiful day. I think it was December 24th. And um, I just picked up the phone and she said, Karen, do you have time to see me? And I saw a knock. Mm-hmm. He was standing, his spirit was standing on the on the deck. And I just looked at it and he shook his head yes. And I said, yes, drive straight over. Okay. And she, she drove straight over to the house. Um... She came in, and I knew exactly. And she just sat down on the treatment table, the massage table. And um, she just said, do you know why I'm here? I hear from other people that you know things, and I don't have to say anything. Do I? Can I just sit here? And I looked outside. The snow was still falling heavily, Knox standing there. And he didn't have her. He wasn't holding her. He wasn't standing in the room beside her. He was outside. And it dawned on me that he was giving me a message that this wasn't her time and that this wasn't her exit. This wasn't the day for her to choose to leave. And he turned around and walked away. And it was like, oh, oh, this is so good. I just wanted, I was just so happy that his actions and his, the telepathy between the two of us were just so damn good mm-hmm. that there's a hundred percent trust. If you think about that in partnerships and marriages with your kids, anybody, how valuable that is. So anyway, I turned to her and I said, were you sitting in your car with a prescription to overdose? And I said, up on tower drive. And she said, yes. How do you know that? And never mind. She says, I was told you'd know. And she said, I was sitting in my car. I said to the spirit world, my guides, my angels, if, if I'm supposed to be alive, give me a sign. And she said, all I heard was call Karen Zarlo. And right then I'm kind of having a chuckle thinking marketing and advertising. <laughs> 
Useless. Is at a whole other level. <laughs> yeah. Branding, all that stuff. And I looked at her and I said, okay, that is freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And she said, so I just picked up my cell phone and I just called. And I thought if it's meant to be and you answer the phone and you can take me, then I'll drive down here. And if you don't, I'm taking the pills. If you don't pick up the phone, it's a sign from the universe. It's my time and I'm leaving. And I just remember thinking that when I picked up that phone, that I just did exactly what I was told and shown to do. Mm -hmm. And we talked. We talked for the hour. We did energy healing. She got some answers. Nock walked away. And it was just once again, Nock's sign that everything was okay. So he put me in a space of being able to meet her needs Mm -hmm. so fast that it was just like, okay. And I think about people in Emerge. I think about doctors and how if you had that ability in all of those moments, how much calmer you could be if you knew these things. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whether anybody in any other profession or not takes it or not, Mm -hmm. whatever. But boy, I will take it. And if it means that I get to speak to Knock all day and you're you're going out for lunch today Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hang out with Knock. (laughs) Well, who says I won't? (laughs) Oh, true. You could at the very same time. He doesn't have to choose between the (laughs) two of us. He can be in a million places. Which is also something that Nock really wanted to experience. Yeah. He wanted to be in a million places all at the same time instead mm-hmm. of being human and feeling that he had to be in one place and deal with one issue. Mm-hmm. He wanted, when you said he wanted to expand, that's one of the ways he wanted to expand mm-hmm. and didn't know how he could get there unless he went back into energy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I just, I adore him. And, and because of that, I get to, like you said, because of that beautiful relationship and love, I get to share him. And yeah. I am so honored to share Nock mm-hmm. when I'm allowed, because not all humans believe in it or let me. But for those that do, I have a pretty amazing person to share with them. Mm-hmm. And thank you, because you introduced me to him. Yeah, that was a fortunate thing in my, in my life. Um, okay. So thank you very much for being a part of this podcast today, Karen, (laughs) but also everyone who's listening. Um, As always, we will uh, extend the offer that if there are questions or comments about today's podcast, um, things that you want to know more about or things that you think we didn't touch on, um, please email us at info at bysarlo.com. We know this is a touchy subject, um, so we just ask that your questions and comments, no matter how um, argumentative they might be, uh, differing in, in opinions. We just ask that you keep it kind. Um, and we will, we'll be with you next Saturday morning. Have a great week.